0: You have found the podcast of Trussler Mennonite Church. Each week we replay the sermon from our Sunday morning service so that anyone who may have missed the sermon can catch it later. This sermon was from September 26th, 2021. The beginning scripture reading is by Carl Layton. The sermon text was Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God and whatever you do do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ but he who has done wrong will be repaid for what he has done and there is no partiality masters give your bondservants what is just and fair knowing that you also have a master in heaven let me begin this morning by stating uh, my goal what my goal is for this sermon, which is uh, my goal for for this, is that us husbands will take seriously the God-given role as the leaders of our families, and that you wives will submit to that authority because it is time we as leaders put the women and the children back in the place that they belong. Now, before anybody yells amen, any guys yell amen, and any ladies, uh, get up and walk out or, or shut me out, shut me off. Um, at least hear me out to see what exactly this might mean. Um, but that is, I believe, my goal, um, but hopefully I can define that goal a little better than what it sounds like at face value. Um, I've known for about three months now that I would be the one preaching this passage, um, so I've had plenty of time to contemplate it. Uh, what this means, but as I've done that, I've learned that I've had to evaluate this in my own life, and there's been quite a few times, uh, and I would say probably even almost on a daily basis, um, that the Holy Spirit has had to show me um, that I am not the husband, that I am not the father, the employer slash slave master that God desires me to be. Um, so today is Confession Day for me, I guess you could say. Um, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time uh, sitting, standing here telling you ladies how you need to submit to your husbands uh, or you children to your parents. Um, the majority of my sermon today is focused on my need for me to allow the Spirit to work in my heart and my mind and my actions. And because I am a husband and a father and an employer, Those of you who might share a similar role uh, or may in the future share a role uh, similar to mine, you get to hear what I need to hear. Um, So it may sound like I'm preaching pretty hard at you, um, and if it feels that way, then good. Uh, Let's grow in this together and hold one another accountable and be the leaders that Christ has called us to be. So today, three things that I'd like to do. First, I'd like to simply look at what the passage says. Then I would like to look at what I believe God calls each of us to in the family, uh, both our biological family and in the church family. And then finally, how do we live this out to glorify God? And actually, the first part of that is pretty easy. It seems to me that Paul is pretty straightforward with God's desire for the family, uh, but as we look at this, I want you to keep in mind Jeremy's sermon from last uh, week as well. We are part of God's family, so we're to look different than the world looks. Our uniforms that he talked about, whether it's our work uniform or our sports uniform, the way that we represent being part of the family of God, those are our actions. We were representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So Paul uh, says in in last week's uh, passage that Jeremy brought to us, that we are to be unified. We're to look different because we're unified. If that doesn't make any sense to you, then you'll have to go watch it on Facebook uh, or uh, listen to it on the podcast. And if you want any details about the podcast, you'll have to talk to Jeremy about that. So there's just a little plug for you, uh, Jeremy. Um, so Carl has read the passage. Um, up to, and so let me quickly summarize it now. And basically, Paul says this. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives and don't treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents. Fathers, do not aggravate your children. Slaves or employees, obey your master slash employer and serve them sincerely. Masters, employers, be just and fair to your workers. Easy, right? Basically, that's what the the passage says Paul gives a lot of, of do this, do this, do this here. Well, if it was, we could leave here in just a few minutes, but it's not that easy uh, for us. In fact, every facet of our flesh screams no. This is not how we want to live. So why is that? Why, why does God call us to something that, that we feel is impossible, that we feel like we don't even want to do this? Why do we want to do just the opposite of what it is that God calls us to? I believe this question is answered in Genesis two and three, and in fact, I believe we find God's desire and design for the family, along with why we have such a hard time living this out, living out the roles that He has called us to. So if you want to turn to Genesis chapter two, um, I'll read verses uh, two or chapter two, verses 18 to 25, and then we'll look a little bit. chapter 3 as well. So Genesis 2 verses 18 to 25 says, The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and enclosed up the place with the flesh, with flesh. So then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So to me, I believe God has put husbands, fathers, uh, and men in a place of authority in in the family and in the church. And I base this off this passage in Genesis, the Colossians passage, and other such passages, uh, Ephesians, Timothy, and Titus. And I know that I can't go through and rehash all these out right here, right now. There's not time for them. And I know that there's some here that would strongly disagree with my interpretation, and and that's okay. I think if you hear me out, uh, maybe at least it'll make a little bit of sense. But let me define a little bit what I mean, uh, define it a little better. In the Garden of Eden, I believe we see God's design for the family. You have a husband who I believe had had God-given authority as a leader and a wife who was his helper, and they were one. The problem is when we hear words like leader and authority and helper um, and submit and obey, we define them as the world defines them. So So when we are in authority, we are thinking to ourselves, hmm, nice throne it is that God has placed me on here. Now, where are my servants and underlings that are here at my beck and call? We feel like because we are in charge, and I say that in quotations because some of these words I don't have a better way of, of defining, we call the shots in our favor. We feel like that if we're given that authority, we can call the shots in our favor to benefit us. Or if we hear submit or obey, We feel like we're about to be taken advantage of and we automatically rebel because there's no way I'm going to take orders. I need to stand up for my own rights and comforts. But God did not make Adam a king, nor did he make Eve a servant. He created a perfect team. Did one lead and one submit? I believe so, but it was without selfishness and it was without tension. I believe the Trinity is a perfect picture, an example of this as well. God the Father, I believe, has authority. Does he use it for his own selfish reasons? Of course not. Christ submitted to the Father's request at a great cost. Did he have to? Well, yes, if in order to save us. Did God take advantage of him? Absolutely not. Did Christ desire to rebel? No, he simply submitted. Verse 25 says that Adam and Eve were both naked and were not ashamed. I believe this means more than they were just not wearing clothes. They were vulnerable to one another, but they had no reason to fear because they were without sin. Neither of them acted out of selfishness. So it was easy for Eve to obey Adam's orders, and again, I place them in quotation marks because I don't even think we can fully grasp somebody giving an order and not have a negative connotation in our mind in it. But it was easy for her to obey Adam because his orders were never motivated by his own selfishness. He always looked out for her best interest before his own. And I believe that in God's view, leadership and authority is never intended to be a privilege or a perk. I believe it's a responsibility and a call or a command to lay aside one's own desires and to serve those under his care and place their needs, their wants, and desires above his own. Let me repeat that again. I believe that in God's view, leadership and authority is never intended to be a privilege. I believe it is a responsibility and a command to lay aside one's own desires and to serve those under his care and place their needs, wants, and desires above his own. I believe we see a perfect example of this in Christ. In Philippians chapter two verses one to eight. If you'd like to turn there, you can. It's a familiar passage. But I'll read I'll read through it. Philippians two one to eight says, If there's any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. So again, unity. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human, be- in a, as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. God placed Christ in authority over me, and he left his rightful place in heaven for me. So I must follow his example and leave my so-called rightful place and lay down my life for those that God has called, called me to lead. I believe that God has called me as a husband, a father, an employer, and as a pastor. I'm not to seek privilege in these positions. I'm only to look at how I can put each of your needs, wants, and desires above my own. And as I said earlier, as I've been thinking about this uh, sermon, I'm realizing how I have failed miserably in all these areas that God has called me to lead. I'm a selfish person. I look out for myself way too often. I use the position of leader as a privilege instead of as an opportunity to serve. So why is that? Why do, we, why do we do that? I was talking to a friend yesterday about my sermon. I, I had to stop and look at uh, something at his house. And he said, oh, what are you preaching about? And I said, told him what passed. He says, oh, that's interesting. My wife and I were just talking about this in the car the other day. And he said, you know, really, life is pretty simple. This, it, it's pretty simple what, what God calls us to do. He said, "But boy, do we make a mess out of it. And he's exactly right. And that's exactly what happened. It was Adam and Eve's life. Their relationship was perfect. They were, they were vulnerable. There was nothing that they had to be afraid of. But we know the story of Genesis uh, chapter 3 where Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God and to sin. And all of a sudden they begin blaming each other. They become selfish. They had to clothe themselves because all of a sudden they were vulnerable. They had to protect themselves from each other. So God comes to walk with them And they confess what they did. But of course they're blaming each other and they're blaming the serpent. So God curses the serpent for deceiving them. And he turns to Eve and says in uh, Genesis 3, verses 16, He said, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. The second part of this curse has been interpreted in a lot of different ways. But I'd like to give you my take a little bit on it this morning. And just the second part, not the first part. I'm not going to get into the childbirth and pain part and all that stuff. Um, I'm going to leave that one alone. But some would say that Eve, because Eve sinned first, that there, from there God had put men in authority over women. I don't believe that this is true at all. I think the Titus passage um, might allude to that a little bit. Um, but I don't, I don't see that as, as part of the curse. I already stated what I believed our relationships looked like in Eden. Perfect leadership along with perfect, again, I'll say submission, just because of, for better, lack of a better word. Perfect teamwork there. In fact, I don't believe that God even came up with a new curse at all in this. We as a human race chose to sin. We chose jealousy and selfishness and distrust. And what God says is going to happen here is nothing more than a byproduct of sin. Eve, who was under Adam's authority, would rebel because now she wouldn't want to be under him. She now wanted to be the boss and to call the shots because she could no longer trust him. She wanted to do things her way and so on. And then God tells Eve that Adam would rule over her. I I believe that he meant that he would then take advantage of this position. It wasn't that God was giving him authority, but that he was going to abuse that and use it for his own uh, self-interest. And that perfect relationship between the two would be broken. He was no longer the servant leader that he had been before. He saw his God-given position in a selfish light, and then he took advantage of it. And so on and on and on through history, we have all lived this out. In our marriages in our families, in our workplace, in our politics, and unfortunately, even in our churches. We're afraid to trust anyone else because we think that they would do us wrong. And, sometimes, and a lot of times, we do each other wrong. So, I mean, that fear is, is real. It's not just paranoia. It's because we treat each other in a way that God doesn't desire us to. So I believe that God, through the Apostle Paul in his letter here, calls us back to a place of unity. Back to Eden, uh, so to speak, as our friend Dr. Bruce and Karen McCracken shared with us a few years ago at our uh, marriage seminar. They wanted to call it Back to Naked, but, but again, that vulnerability uh, that was gone. Uh, our marriage is to get back to that place. To a lifestyle that points to God's perfect plan that was being lived out in the sinless state of Eden, where husband and wife were perfectly unified to one another and to God, and that relationship was their uniform, uh, their neon sign, so to speak, that pointed to God and said, Wow, earth, look at what a wonderful creator we have. Let us show you his goodness as we live out the lives that he has called us to, lives that are perfect with no guilt, no shame, no shame no mistrust, lives filled with perfect love. So what does that look like for us today? How can our lives show the world how great our God is? So let's start at the beginning. Wives, submit to your husbands. As I said, I'm not going to stand here and spend a bunch of time telling you how to do this. I would simply say, allow your husbands to be the leader that God has called him to be. I know this may be difficult when he's not willing to lead or when he's not leading well. I don't have an easy one answer covers all in this. Um, But I would would encourage you to at least be willing um, to be attentive to the Spirit in these situations and to seek good counsel. Also, I know that there have been times when church leaders have used this passage and counseled wives to stay in, an, in abusive relationships. And I, in no way, in saying that that's what this means at all. So um, please don't think that, that that's uh, what I mean by this. It's, again, there's no one single answer, um, but I would encourage you to, to pray about this and think about this. Secondly, husband, loves your, love your wives and never treat them harshly. And fathers, don't aggravate your children. Paul tells the Ephesian church to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And as I said before, he laid down heaven itself in order that I could receive salvation. Laying down my life for those who are under my leadership does not simply mean that I'm willing to die for them. It means that that I live my life for their benefit. And let that sink in for a minute, guys. God calls me to live my life for Kaila's benefit and for the benefit of my children. And as I said before, I've been thinking uh, a lot about this over the last couple months, and I'm realizing how I've failed uh, so often uh, over my lifetime. And again, it's, it's about on a daily basis I have to stop and catch myself as, wow, um, you're being selfish. Uh, you need to, to back up. Apologize and, and rethink uh, things. I, think, I like to think that I give my children good things to obey, that my great wisdom benefits them. Well, sometimes that's true. But I'm also in a season in my life right now where my children are becoming adults, um, and they don't always follow my advice. Uh, and You know, my reaction, at least the one uh, in my mind, sometimes scares me as I realize uh, as I have to do a little bit of self-reflection. And I'm beginning to realize that maybe I'm more concerned that they listen to King Jerry than they take my own uh, than that they make their own wise decisions. I think I'm giving them good advice but I think my motive is wrong in that and I want to uh, rule that over them. But God didn't give me my children in order for me to build up my kingdom or my legacy. No, he gave me my children and my wife, uh, this church, uh, my business, um, in order for me to serve them and to raise them and lead them and show them who Christ is. He's called me to build his kingdom, not my own. And this doesn't mean just spoiling my children and giving them whatever they want. Obviously, it doesn't mean that. It means that sometimes I have to make hard decisions of what is best for them. But in doing that, I need to make sure and rely on God's wisdom to make those decisions and not make them from my own flesh, uh, that I, which is how I do so often. So for you children, Christ calls you to obey your parents. Show the world that you are part of God's family by being obedient to your parents and others in authority over you. Five of you young people just made a public confession of your faith uh, through baptism. Let me encourage you to keep making that confession by being obedient to your parents. Slaves obey your masters. Obviously, we don't have slaves and masters anymore, although the guys that work for me may feel like they, we still do. I know we can, I think, I'm pretty sure we can substitute slave and master for employee employee, employer relationships here in these verses. So employees, do your job well, just like you are working for Jesus Himself. And finally, employers, be just and fair to your employees. And all of these relationships: husband, wife, parent, child, employee-employer relationship. The world and our flesh sees them in conflict. There is the us versus them mentality in all of them. But God's perfect design, though, I believe, is unity. So let's each allow the scripture along with God's spirit to work in each of our hearts, our minds, and our actions. So going back to the goal that I stated at the beginning. So you husbands, fathers, leaders, employers, let's take our role seriously. Let's put those that God has entrusted in our care back in their place, and that would be above ourselves as we become the servant leader that he has called us to be. Let's make our lives that neon sign pointing to the wonderful God that we serve as we live in unity with those that we are in relationship with. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you for a perfect design that you have given, that you created, uh, I believe, back in the beginning, that you created uh, two perfect people that lived in perfect harmony with one another and with you. And Lord, we know the story of how that was broken. We've seen the results of that. But we also know the rest of the story, that you laid down your life to redeem those who believe and call on you to do so. Lord, I know that I have made many mistakes as a husband, father, employer, as a pastor, that I have been selfish, but I thank you that you are at work in my heart, in my life. And I pray that you continue to do so and that you change me from the inside out so that I, in my life, can point to you and say, God is good because he can fix something broken like me. Lord, I pray that for each person in this church that we be the men and women that you desire us to be, that we be attentive to your spirit, to your word, that shows us what it is you desire and that we live that out. Lord, I thank you for each one that's here, those who are watching on Facebook, wherever that might be, and and listening later. Lord, I just pray that, again, that your spirit be at work in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You have been listening to the Trestler Mennonite Sermon from September 26, 2021. The passage was from Colossians 3:18 through 4, 1. Take care.